Welcome to On the Porch, the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Howdy, I'm Silas House. Welcome to a special episode of On the Porch, where we pay homage to the brilliant mind of Toni Morrison, who passed away recently. Morrison changed the world unlike few novelists ever have, influencing generations of writers, activists, and thinkers, and putting down on paper some of the most beautiful prose that has ever been written. Later in the show, we'll be talking to people like Crystal Wilkinson, Ada Lamone, Shauna Morgan, and Kathleen Driscoll to look at the impact Toni Morrison had on our world. But before that, we'll be playing some music that Morrison loved and songs that resonate with her novels. Here's Nina Simone. There have been many tributes that have come out since the passing of Toni Morrison, and one of the best was a photo essay in the New York Times that showed some photographs of her dancing in the 1970s. If you haven't seen those, look them up. The essay is called Toni Morrison Dancing. I wanted to also add uh, one of my favorite passages from Beloved here. So he raced from dogwood to blossoming peach. When they thinned out, he headed for the cherry blossoms, then magnolia, chinaberry, pecan, walnut, and prickly pear. At last he reached a field of apple trees whose flowers were just becoming tiny knots of fruit. Spring sauntered north, but he had to run like hell to keep it as his traveling companion. From February to July, he was on the lookout for blossoms. When he lost them, and found himself without so much as a petal to guide him, he paused, climbed a tree on a hillock, and scanned the horizon for a flash of pink or white in the leaf world that surrounded him. He did not touch them or stop to smell. He merely followed in their wake, a dark, ragged figure guided by the blossoming plums. I know that when I first read her, when I was about 20 years old, Her words made me understand slavery and racism in ways that no class had ever been able to articulate for me. I've lined up a panel of notable writers and scholars to give us some insights into Toni Morrison's influence, and we'll talk to them here in just a minute. This is WUKY 91.3 FM, listener-supported radio. Shauna Morgan is a poet and scholar who teaches creative writing and literature of the African diaspora. She's recently joined the faculty at the University of Kentucky after teaching at Howard University. Thanks for being with us, Shauna. Thanks for having me, Silas. Well, I know that you uh, love Toni Morrison's work and have taught her work extensively. So what would you like to share with us today about her as a writer and a force? Well, you know, Morrison was indeed a force and so meaningful a person to to many of us but more than a writer you know she really stood um uh, on the ground of of thinking of herself as not just a writer but an editor and a literary critic and um one of the things that's i guess sort of lesser known is how tremendous her work as an editor was so she was writing Black literature, and obviously we have beautiful, 11 beautiful, beautiful novels, but she also brought us, you know, Gail Jones's uh, Corrigadora, right. you know, as an editor, and, you know, Muhammad Ali, so two of Kentucky's hmm. own, and uh, and her work as a literary critic is unmatched. Um, you know, Imani Perry said, it is not hyperbolic to call Toni Morrison the greatest figure in American letters. Right. 
and I would certainly agree with that. We have not yet we won't we won't ever know really the the measure of her of her genius. Right. Yeah, that that just that great mind. I think yes. so much about that. Um just uh would you have a passage you would like to share of hers that you especially love? Sure, yeah. One of the things that Morrison did uh, for us, and for me in particular, uh, as someone who uh, teaches black women's literature, you know, she really opened up a space for black women's stories to mm-hmm. be told in, in all the beautiful and ugly nuances. Um, and her novel, uh, Sula, was just a resonant piece of uh, black women's liberation, really. And uh, it closes beautifully, and I'll just read a short passage. He hadn't sold fish in a long time now. The river had killed them all. No more silver-gray flashes, no more flat, wide, unhurried look, no more slowing down of gills, no more tremor on the line. Shadrach and Nell moved in opposite directions, each thinking separate thoughts about the past, The distance between them increased as they both remembered gone things. Suddenly, Nell stopped. Her eye twitched and burned a little. Sula, she whispered, gazing at the tops of trees. Sula! Leaves stirred. Mud shifted. There was the smell of overripe green things. A soft ball of fur broke and scattered like dandelion spores in the breeze. All that time, all that time, I thought I was missing Jude, and the loss pressed down on her chest and came up into her throat. We was girls together, she said, as though explaining something. Oh, Lord, Sula, she cried. Girl, 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 girl. It was a fine cry, loud and long, but it had no bottom and it had no top, just circles and circles of sorrow. Mm, beautifully read. Obviously, the language is just so perfect. You know, there's every single word is absolutely essential. It all serves the scene. But besides that, what is it, do you think, about that passage that really resonates with you? Particularly now, I mean, this, you know, this character now is is sort of reflecting on the loss of her dear friend Sula. Mm -hmm. And, and particularly now the, that, that grief that is enveloping so many of us Mm -hmm. right now is captured in this section. We feel that um, so profoundly. And it's as if Morrison left her own words for us Mm -hmm. to, to deal with this, this moment. Yes, that's a perfect passage to share. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Kathleen Driscoll is a wonderful poet and the director of the Spalding University School of Writing in Louisville. Thanks for being with us, Kathleen. Oh, it's my pleasure. Sad occasion, but... Yes, well, you are in touch with so many writers, and uh, and you're the director at one of the schools that, that's really shaping contemporary writing in America, so... I wondered if you in particular could talk about Toni Morrison's influence on the writers and and readers of today. 
Well, I don't really, I don't really think we would have the canon that we have today, or be making the moves toward the canon we should have without her. I, I remember um, when Beloved sort of came into the university classroom, and it was just, it was remarkable, and it changed everything. Um, you know, I don't know if feminists found it or the book found them, but the whole conversation shifted. I, I remember being uh, right in grad school when I read it, and it meant everything to me as, um, as a student, as a writer. It meant so much to my friends as well. But particularly, I um, had come out of a, a graduate, uh, undergraduate education where I'd been in a workshop and I'd written some poems that were um, about my kin in West Virginia and was told by my workshop leader that I shouldn't be writing those poems, mm-hmm. that I wasn't a rustic. And when I found Beloved, um, it really showed me what authentic writing could be, mm-hmm. you know, the majesty of it, and that it was everything. And it's, um, you know, it's not only influenced me as a writer, it's influenced the way that I teach Absolutely. writing as yeah. well. Yeah. In, in what way? Can you talk about that? I mean, do you mean that you focus more on the language or, or what? I do. I mean, I'm in love with the lyricism, but um, it's not just that. It's that um, I'd never read anything like this before. You know, the things that I'd been taught um, were pretty um, staid, you know, and been taught the same way um, for so long. But she had a voice that, that made me realize there were other voices out there. And so often, I think, as a, a writing teachers, we often are afraid of that, that thing that we haven't seen before in our students' writing, that it's um, not good somehow because it doesn't look yes. like something else. When, when it is everything, it is, it is, you know, the hallmark, authenticity is the hallmark of style, of structure, of everything. And so, I, you know, I think it's really important. It, it's beloved in particular has helped me think about what I want to bring to my students, you know, a diversity of voices, yes. diversity of models. And it's, it's, it's really at the um, crux of my teaching. It's so important to me. And, and that book, um, that book uh, just, it, uh, it absorbed me. I didn't absorb mm-hmm. it. It absorbed me. In fact, I, when I heard about um, her passing on Tuesday, I, I felt so lonesome for her that mm-hmm. I, Began rereading Beloved, and I, it's it's a different book to me because I'm older, but it's still so remarkable in so many ways. And I I actually got the audio. She's got this marvelous um, audio book that she recorded, wow. and so I've been reading along with it as she's been reading to me. And it's just it's it's helped me feel a little solace, you know, that right. she's gone, right. she's not, but she's not. Yeah. What did you have to share with us today, of hers? Well, I um. I wanted to read something from her Nobel Prize lecture, right. and uh, it just seems so appropriate now for the world that we're living in. It's so terrible, and, and uh, you know, our leaders are trying to gaslight us to think that we're <laughs> not, not hearing what we're hearing. So yes. this is from it. It's so remarkable. Oppressive language does more than represent violence. It is violence. It does more than represent the limits of knowledge. It limits knowledge. Whether it is obscuring state language or the faux language of mindless media, whether it is the proud but calcified language of the academy or the commodity-driven language of science, whether it is the malign language of law without ethics or language designed for the estrangement of minorities, hiding its racist plunder, 
in its literary cheek. It must be rejected, altered, and exposed. Yeah, and that reminds me of, you know, just how important she was as a a public intellectual, besides, you know, as a creative writer. Well, thanks for being here to help honor her today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Silas, for doing this. Crystal Wilkinson is one of our best novelists. She's from Casey County, Kentucky, and is the author, most recently, of the novel The Birds of Opulence. Crystal, thanks for being with us to honor Toni Morrison today. Yes, I'm glad to be here with you guys. Can you talk just a little bit about how you felt about her work, how you feel about her? Uh, Well, you know how tenderhearted I am. You know me personally, so I'll try to get through this without crying. But, um, I mean, I think Toni Morrison, I mean, from a Kentucky standpoint, you know, there would be no Gail Jones without Toni Morrison. Mm There would also not be a Toni K. Bambara uh, without Toni Morrison. So, you know, outside of her writing, her nurturing of other writers as she worked in the publishing uh, industry, I think, is important to note. Uh, For myself, I think one of the largest things for me was that she reflected us as back. It was the first time I had seen black women and black girls on the page in a totally truthful way. Mm -hmm. Like, she uses the King's English, uh, but she also uses holy our language, the kind of in a way that we we talk to one another um, and the secrets that we tell one another. So, so uh, the writing is beautiful and intellectual, but also a spiritual experience um, on that level to see yourself mirrored back in that way. It's really healing and empowering, and it gives you, as a writer, it gave me permission to attempt to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I know you've chosen something to share with us today. Can, uh, would you mind reading that for us? Yeah, this is one of my favorite passages uh, that happens when um, Baby Sooks in uh, Beloved sort of goes into the woods and calls um, the ex-slaves uh, into a clearing. Um, so she uses nature here, um, but Baby Sooks is also um, a preacher and um, presents this healing sermon. And I'll just read a little passage. In this here place, we flesh, flesh that weeps, laughs, flesh that dances on bare feet and grass. Love it. Love it hard. Yonder, they do not love your flesh. They despise it. They don't love your eyes. They just as soon pick them out. No more do they love the skin on your back. Yonder, they flay it. And oh, my people, they do not love your hands. Those they can only use, tie, bind, chop off, and leave empty. Love your hands. Love them. Raise them up and kiss them. Touch others with them. Pack them together. Stroke them on your face because they don't love that either. You got to love it. You and know they ain't in love with your mouth. Yonder out there, they will see it broken and break it again. What you say out of it, they will not heed. What you scream from it, they do not hear. What you put in it to nourish your body, they will snatch away and give you the leavings instead. No, they do not love your mouth. 
You got to love it. This is flesh I'm talking about here, flesh that needs to be loved, feet that need to rest and to dance, backs that need support, shoulders that need arms, strong arms, I'm telling you. And, oh, my people out yonder hear me. They do not love your neck unnoosed and straight. So love your neck. Put a hand on it. Grace it. Stroke it and hold it up. And all your insides parts that they just as soon flop for hogs, you got to love them. The dark, dark liver, love it, love it. And the beating, and the beating heart, love that too. More than eyes or feet, more than lungs that have yet to draw free air, more than your life holding womb and your life giving private parts. Hear me now, love your heart, for this is the prize. Oh. One of the best passages in literature. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so she much. She was our, thank you. She was our Shakespeare. She yes. was the black Shakespeare. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us, Crystal. All right. Thank you. Ada Lamone is the National Book Critics Circle Prize winning poet whose most recent book is The Essential Poetry Collection, The Carrying. Thanks for joining us, Ada. Thank you for having me. Well, I would love to hear how Toni Morrison's work has had an impact on your own work. Yeah, Toni Morrison, for me, was the first writer who showed me the true lyricism of prose. Uh, when I found her work, I was convinced that you were either a storyteller or a poet. I didn't know you could be both. I thought that mm. prose and poetry were always different. Um, but she showed me that if you pushed hard enough on a sentence it might give way to something that felt more like music than fact. Um, I read Song of Solomon when I was 15 years old, and that book changed my life. Mm. There was a, a clarity to her writing that felt like it just was, that this was more than a true story, um, that there was no doubt in my mind that it was one of the world's original stories, uh, truer than true. Um, from then on, I read everything. But when I look back, I think what ruined me in Song of Solomon is the passage where Milkman admits that his affection or lust for, for Hagar is dwindling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the passage that uh, I, I chose. Great. Well, read it for us, if you will. Yeah. He didn't even have to pay for it. It was so free, so abundant. It had lost its fervor. There was no excitement, no galloping of blood in his neck or his heart at the thought of her. She was the third beer, not the first one, which the throat receives with almost tearful gratitude, nor the second that confirms and extends the pleasure of the first, but the third, the one you drink because it's there, because it can't hurt, and because what difference does it make? And all I remember thinking is, my God, I never want to be any man's or anybody's third beer. (laughs) (laughs) I had a really similar experience when I read Beloved. I think I was about 19 or 20, and it just blew my mind wide open to how language could be used, you know, and just... uh, it, all it takes is that one book, right, or or one mm-hmm. poem to to change your world. And when I yeah. think about her, I I always think about 
she is the novelist of my lifetime that I can think of that really changed the world, you know, Mm -hmm. in so many ways, not only the way she changed us individually, but Mm -hmm. what she taught constantly with her work. Yeah. I mean, there was something about her that always made her work seem clear-eyed and not cruel, but none of her characters seemed to escape her eviscerating eye. Um, yet it was still always about the language. And I never knew that you could do both of them at once. Again, that storytelling and song could be always colliding and creating this friction, which was world-building. Right. Well, thanks so much for honoring her with us today. We appreciate you. Oh, it's my deep pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Bianca Spriggs is a poet whose most recent book is Call Her By Her Name, and she recorded a piece for us, especially talking about Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison was probably one of the most important writers we can claim in this country, not just because her work represented an honest, unflinching analysis of people, um, their relationships with one another, with the land, with economy, but because she was also a living library. She led a very full life, and her work as an editor for some of the most profound black authors in the canon, point blank, to write freely about their blackness was, was revolutionary. She was a gateway, a portal, you know. Her transparency about her work in these interviews was so generous She was a true master of the craft, but she was fully aware of the world in which she wrote. She wasn't a passive observer. She participated in life. She showed up, and she was funny. I recommend watching her interviews in addition to reading the work, because as a person, you know, as an individual, she contributed a lot, (laughs) a lot to our shared national history. And what she had to say about all of it, I think we're only just beginning to understand her impact. You know, I think her voice will continue to ring long and loud through the rest of us so long as we continue to hear her and honor her for using that voice. I think we're all of us lucky for the day that Toni Morrison, once upon a time, decided to pick up a pen. I want to thank you for joining us for this special episode of On the Porch, honoring the great mind, Toni Morrison. Until next time, I hope you'll remember my favorite passage from Morrison's Beloved. Quote, love is or it ain't. Then love ain't love at all. Thanks for listening to the podcast of On the Porch. I'm your host, Silas House. This episode was engineered and produced by DeBron Thomas at the studios of WUKY 91.3 FM in Lexington, Kentucky. We are listener-supported radio, and we thank you for joining us.